Hey, I preached the message at 3.30, but I'm gonna do something different at six. Because this is a crazy crowd right here. This is gonna get real tonight. More real than WWF. Because that ain't real. And that's so. How about you take your seat, give your neighbor a high 10. And if you got your Bible, Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to be all teachery on you tonight. So watch out. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So all those things, whether they come from, they come from the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever. How many know anything good comes from God? And anything that's healthy grows. So as a believer in Jesus, you know, the wrong question is sometimes, what do we need to do to grow? Well, if you're planted and plugged in to, to God and His purpose, you will naturally grow. So a better question would be is, what right now is stopping me from growing? And could this verse answer some of the things that are actually hindering us in our walk with God? Now, you'll notice that in in two of them, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Tonight, I want to speak on the whole subject of lust, because after all, we're talking about relationships, and there's nothing like lust that actually damages a relationship. And so we're going to unpack it, we're going to unmask it, we're going to get some understanding on it. So let me warn you, it's going to be very sobering in this place. But I believe God's going to shed some light on some stuff, and uh, we're going to rescue a few people, and uh, it's going to be a fight, but it's going to be worth it. So we're going to talk about overcoming the spirit of lust. I believe it's one of the biggest strongholds in operation in the world today. Not just among those who aren't saved, but believers. It tries to get hold of my life. It tries to get hold of your life. And so let's go to Proverbs chapter 7. This is going to be awesome. In this chapter, I believe God is describing how the spirit, the spirit of lust works. And he's describing it through something that actually happens. So let's pick it up from uh, verse 1. It says, My son, keep my words and treasure My commands within you, keep my commands and live. Come on, how many want to live? And it says, and my law is the apple of your eye. I wonder what right now is the apple of your eye. I heard a new term just today called snack. It's like, that. you know, I'm going like, what's that term? It's like some people's face just went, did he just say that? You know, I'm I'm just going, I don't know what it means, but I think it means the heart or something like that. Snack sounds like something you eat, a snack, and uh, that goes through your digestive tract and comes out there. No, anyway, uh, but, uh, you know, all the different terms today. I can't keep up, man. I can't keep up. But it says, keep the law as the apple of your eye. Keep, keep, keep God's word. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So, so don't just keep them up here. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you, listen to this, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Now, before we go, uh, go on, again, uh, we're going to see something that Solomon witnessed, something that actually happened. 
But here he says that, that the word of God will keep you from the immoral woman. Now, I don't think he's speaking specifically about a woman, but I, I believe he's referencing the spirit of lust that's personified in this immoral woman. So, so let's think about it this way, okay? So, you know, just think it, this represents the spirit of lust. Now, verse 6, it says, For the window at my house, I looked through the latest, and I saw the simple, I perceived among the youths, a, ma- a young man devoid of understanding. Now, what he's saying about young people is he's not putting them down. He's saying he's already devoid of understanding because he's already been trapped by the Spirit. So if you're young, you know, don't get offended. Okay, because you'll see, you'll see soon, he purposefully goes to the wrong place. So, so he's saying he's devoid of understanding because the Spirit has already got him captive. And, and what the Spirit does is it robs you of wisdom and understanding. It, it robs you of the thing that God wants to give you. That's what he's trying to tell us here. And it goes, passing along the street near her corner, he took the path to her house, the, the path to the moral woman's house. Notice he did it. He, he, he made a decision, and he took the path to her house, and he went there. And he went in the twilight and the evening, in the black and the dark of the night. Now, you know, a lot of bad stuff happens in darkness. Uh, but here, the spirit of, of lust will lead you to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's what it does. Just to shed light on it. Uh, the spirit of lust will take hold of you so you begin to plan when you can be there and how you can be there so, so that the spirit can be fulfilled. So that the spirit can be, be satisfied. You know, people don't just accidentally fall into adultery. Don't accidentally go out you know, and do stupid stuff. The spirit of lust, you know, will cause you to plan how to be there, how to, you know, arrange it, and, and it'll go there. And this is what this guy does. He, he's at the wrong place at the wrong time. In verse 10, it says, And there the woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. With the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Now, again, this is a spirit, but I'm going to say something very straight. And uh, I need to say something strong. She had the attire of a harlot. Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm just trying to help you understand something. You know, it's fine to be stylish, but if you're putting stuff out there, it's not going to be helpful for you and others. Yeah, it's going to attract the wrong attention. And how you win your friends is how you keep your friends. Just saying. Okay. And, and, And notice this, you know, again, it represents the spirit. She was loud and she was rebellious. Again, I don't think this is talking about the personality of the woman. It's talking about the characteristic of the spirit. And in the world we live in right now, the spirit is loud and rebellious. Would anybody agree with me? Come on, it's all around us, on our media, on our phones. You know, wherever we go, we're confronted with the spirit that's trying to lure us in and trying to take us away from what God has for us. Anybody agree with me right there? You know, it's not like you don't have to go far to actually satisfy the Spirit. It says, uh, next verse, it says, Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking on every corner. That's the Spirit. It's all around us, everywhere. And, and it says, she, she caught him and kissed him. 
This is something really good. Because what happens here is the enemy has just uncovered his hand. Uh, let, let me tell you something, uh, what the Bible tells us about the spirit of lust that, that will help us in a great way. Uh, uh, the spirit of lust, there will always be an initial, uh, initially a shock element to it. There, there's, there's always a surprise. She catches him and she kisses him. Who does that? You know, catch a guy kiss. It's just like, that's crazy. Uh, please hear me. When you get shocked, you need to turn and run. See, that's what the spirit of lust does. Uh, there's always something, you know, you see it in a movie, see it on the internet, Facebook, or somebody says something to you at the office and it shocked you, or at school, you know, somebody of the opposite sex says something to you and, and it shocks you. Yeah, listen, that's a sign from God. Yeah, yeah it's a sign. The shock element is just, oh, 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 where are that? You know, it's like, oh, 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 where do I go with that? That's a sign that you need to leave and run. And so she grabs this guy and kisses him. And, and let's take a look at the passage because the enemy is about to expose himself. You know, because the spirit of lust will always try and shock you. And here's the deal. When you stop being shocked, that's how you know you're caught. That's how you know you're in trouble. When you stop being shocked, you're like, ah. You know, it's sad today. Some things don't shock people. They watch it, and it's normalized in a lot of ways. Some of the things that, that are actually shocking, you go, ah. You know, it's like you need the light shone on. That's crazy. That's messed up. That's wrong. You know, the hookup culture that we've got going on in the world, you know, it's just wrong on so many fronts and it's doing damage. And, and, and to us, people see sex as a commodity and it's just like, it doesn't matter who I sleep with, you know, sex, you know, it's not about love, it's just about self-pleasure, it's just about all this stuff. That's messed up. Yeah. That, that is messed up and, and it's destroying lives. You know, people, you know, in fact, the, the, the epidemic of mental health, I believe, is, is, it can be attributed to a part to, to, to the way that we view our sexuality. In, in many places, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. No, but, but sex is not just the physical act. It involves our soul and it involves our spirit. I haven't got the time to give a theology on that one. But anyway, she kissed him. And listen, she kissed him with an impudent face and she said to him, well, impudent simply means hard, rebellious type face. She says this, listen, I've made peace offerings with me. Today I've paid my vows. Now, now this is very shocking. Uh, let, let me explain what it means. Today I've paid my vows. I have peace offerings with me. Here, here's what it means. It means what she's saying, I went to church today and I've already paid my tithes and my offerings and I, I've got some peace offerings so I've been to church, paid my tithes, bought my peace offerings. So when we sin, uh, it's, we can take care of it later. That's a lie of the enemy. Is, uh, oh, I'll just repent after. Uh, I'll just get right after. We know it's wrong. We know it's wrong, but you know, oh, God's forgiving. I'll just repent after and get, get it right after. See, that's how the Spirit works. You know, talk about opening a door to deception. You know, it's like when you're engaged in worship, but you then go out and intentionally do something that you know is wrong. You know, if you're in an anointed atmosphere, 
The anointing will always bring conviction to an area in your life that's out of order. But what she's doing is she's countering that. Don't worry, we, we can go out. I've got peace offerings. I've I, I got it sorted. We can, we can get it right later. It's just once. God, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, you know, just let yourself go. Just experience once. It's all right. I've I got peace offerings with me. You know, we can make up later and get it back on track later. But verse 15, that list looks, so she came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I found you. Listen, she says, I've spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings with Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh. Uh, uh, how do you say that word? Uh, aloes. yeah, I thought it, yeah. Some spice or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let's delight ourselves with love. Uh, listen to me. Lust always masquerades itself as love. But lust, lust is not love. It's not like I'm in lust with you. you know, it doesn't quite have the same ring to it. That's where enemy people say, I love you. No, you, you don't love them. If you love you, you sacrifice, you have patience, you have kindness, you have, have a whole lot of things. You're just lusting after something. Now, love is from heaven, lust is from hell. You know, the world calls, you know, sex making love, but making love is not one night stand. Making love is spending your life with the same person and building your life together. That's making love. That, that's what it's all about. And so, okay, next verse, verse 19, it says, For my husband is not at home, for he's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him, and he'll come home on an appointed day. This is what the Spirit is also saying. The Spirit of lust is saying, you won't get caught. I'm telling you, this is the Spirit that's working through this woman. It's, got a, it's crafty. It's got it all worked out. You won't get caught. I've already taken care of it with God. Everything's taken care of. Guess what? The plan is tight. Nobody will ever have to know. Nobody will ever have to know. Listen, this is how the Spirit of lust says. You'll be the first person in human history never to get caught. Let me say it another way. Maybe it's quote unquote, you know, not uncovered by your family and friends, but if you think that, that, that means you don't get caught, you're deceived. Because there's God. Let, let me say it another way. You won't suffer, you know, the Spirit says, you won't suffer any of the consequences. It's just harmless fun. You can do it and it won't affect you. We're going to see a little later on how it does affect us. But that's what the Spirit is saying. Just go, come on, free love. Next verse says, with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or a fool to the correction of stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost him his life. Now, let me give you a historical background on this passage. This is what Solomon saw. He watched this 
happen through his window. Now, now you have to remember Solomon was a godly king. And many theologians believe that Solomon sent this man and woman to have them executed. Because according to the law, the penalty for adultery was death. Now, that's what many theologians believe. That phrase, he did not know it cost him his life, refers to. But spiritually, it refers to us if we go down that road. He did not know it would cost him his life. Here's the reason he did not know. He was doing it at night, and he didn't think anyone would see. But guess what? The king was watching. The king was watching through the window. Listen to me. If you go down this road, you may think you're covering it up. But the king of all kings is watching. And there's one person you can't hide from. When you're alone at home on the internet, you know, going through and something clicks up, it shocks you. It's like, oh, just a bit of harm is fun. No, someone's watching. Watching, the king's watching. Next verse, it says, Now therefore, listen, my children, pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways, nor stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Here's the deal. You can be strong, successful in a whole lot of other areas, but slain in this area. Now, I'm strong, I'm all good, I got the sword, I'm bigger than that. Now, the spirit targets that, and this is how they fall. Verse 27, her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Brace yourself, it's like, her house is the way to hell. Now, there's many scriptures in the New Testament how adulterers and fornicators go to hell. They do not inherit the kingdom of God. That's Bible. Uh, listen to me. I, I do believe you can repent. I do believe that the precious blood of Jesus covers our sins. I do believe, though, also that, that, that believers can be held captive and find themselves in places they thought they'll never be. L listen to me. If this is a sin that you continue on, you really need to check your salvation. Yeah, you do. You, you really do. There's a possibility that if you're going to persist, persist in, in that sin, that, that God has never really given you a new heart. Because that's what happens at salvation. You get a new heart. There's a possibility He's never changed your heart. Now, if you want to get free, he can help you get free. But if you're going to persist in this, it's going to lead to destruction. That's what the Bible says. I told you this was going to be a strong message. Some of you, oh, was he joking? No. You know, I'm saying this because, man, this is huge. Come on, how many can recognize it in their own life and in society today? This is something that we need to talk about. And as a church, we want to keep it real. I don't want to just talk about fluffy stuff and we just go out the same. Come on, God's word is for us and wants to lift us up so that we can live the full life that he intended us to live. Amen. Let's give God a big clap of praise for that. Here's the good news. You can get free. You don't have to live under this. 
You can get free from this. But let me describe just in a few quick words how the spirit uh, of lust works. Here's three words to describe it. Okay, the first one is, number one, desire. Desire. That's what lust actually means, desire. As a matter of fact, many times the Hebrew word or the Greek word in the New Testament is translated desire instead of lust. So they're interchangeable. The Greek word is, you know, I can't even say, or something like that. But what it is, it's a neutral word. It's a neutral word. So it can go either way, desire or lust. In other words, it can be good or bad. It's like your imagination. Your imagination can be used for good, but it can be used for bad. In fact, lust is simply a misplaced imagination. It's a misplaced imagination. God's given us the ability to imagine, to create, to do great stuff. But, but the imagination, lust, can be trapped and be used for, for, for wrong things. And, and I'll show you a verse that will probably shock you. It's the exact same Greek word that's translated as lust in many passages. Luke 22, verse 15. It says, Then he said to them, and this is Jesus, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, now he's not saying lust. That word could be translated as lust, but now Jesus didn't have evil lust. He had fervent desire. Uh, uh, Listen to me. God gave us a good, natural, healthy desire for sex that can be fulfilled in a godly way. God, God came up with the idea. Sex was invented before the fall. It's God's idea, not the world's idea. Not, yeah, God, God, it's beautiful. It's powerful. And it's meant to be put in the right place. But, it, but here, here, the, the purpose of it can never be fulfilled in a lustful way. The Bible begins to describe lust and use other words like worldly lust, deceitful lust, evil desire. Again, again, it's the same word in the Bible. It's trying to tell us that, that God's given us pure desire, but, but Satan sells us a counterfeit. And, and, he, and if we buy the counterfeit, we open the door and it creates a bondage in our life. Uh, listen to what Paul says uh, to, in Galatians. He says in, in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, I, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. They are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Come on, how many have been in a place, man, I want to do that, but I just don't, I can't. He says, uh, you know, this last can, ha- can have power over you, but, but walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, notice evil lust goes against the Spirit, but also God's desires go against those evil desires. You know, every time we see the phrase, you do not do the things you wish, you know, that, that can be thought of in a negative way. But how many know sometimes it's we don't do the things we wish in terms of living with purpose and meaning and bringing change and hope and different things. Why? Because we're caught by the Spirit. You know, in our worlds, there's no vacuum. 
You know, if there's space, the enemy will come in and fill it with wrong things. Yeah, you know, we also can be spirit, uh, subject here, just as the spirit of lust can try and dominate us, the spirit of God can come in and lead us. Uh, I just want to give you a few, a few verses. Romans 6, 19, it says, I speak in human terms. That's good. Because our weakness, uh, because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, you know, you know, we become a slave. You know, you know, you get to a place where you don't want to think about certain things, but you can't stop thinking about it. That's how you know you're a slave. Yeah, you control your, your whole thought life is controlled. And he goes, so now present your members, so you present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So, so present, make a decision. He's not going to fall. Present your members as slaves of righteousness. So, so the Spirit of God can come in into that space. Romans 8, verse 5 to 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, in other words, to think, that, to live this life out just from your human rationale, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 13, verse 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on, put on and make no provision. Make no provision. Somebody say, make no provision. Make no provision to fulfill its lust. This is really important. Because your flesh will plan to how, for, how to fulfill it. I'll go watch a movie or da 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 da. You'll make plans. But it says, make no provision. You know, the word is desire. It's a neutral word. Uh, you can have good desires and bad desires. In fact, I reckon a lot of people get stuck in pornography simply because of boredom. They're looking for an adventure, and it's a misplaced adventure, a misplaced imagination. And when you're not living for God, you've created a vacuum where the enemy comes in and sells you a counterfeit. That's where a lot of people actually get stuck, and that's where a lot of people become promiscuous is because they're not living out a God adventure. And if you're not living out God's adventure, the enemy will have an adventure for your life. There's no vacuum. Number two is deception. Deception. You know, I want to show you a passage again on immorality. That in, in the middle of it has a scripture that people don't know why it's there, but we're going to look at it. Okay, we've got time. We're, we're doing all right. How are we doing? You're holding in there. All of you, what? Okay. Proverbs 6, verse 23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Reproofs. Reproofs. Of instruction are the way of life. To keep you from the evil woman, again the spirit, from the flattering tongue of, of a, a, a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For, me, for by the means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. An adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom? And his clothes not be burnt? Can one walk on coals and his feet not be shed? So as he who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Just take note of that verse. 
People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. So this is more just saying I'll get forgiven. You know, you're actually destroying part of your life. That's what sexual immorality and lust does. Now, now, look at me. Here he's talking about immorality. And in the middle he says, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger. Here's what you need to understand. Lust is the deception because lust is never satisfied. A, a person who commits adultery is never satisfied. In fact, that's why studies have proven those who have you know, one partner in a monogamous relationship you know, have better sex. It's proven. Studies, studies have been done. Because there's commitment, there's intimacy. It's more than just a, 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 phys, a physical act. But last, you know, we have to go on to the next thing and do weird stuff and, you know, go, yeah, it's just it never satisfied. It's never satisfied. It always wants more. See, in a godly, pure marriage, you can be satisfied. But in an, impure, in an impure relationship, if you watch pornography, different things, you'll want more. And that, that's where today, you know, people get into more and more weird stuff. Why? Because they're not satisfied. And so they have to take it up another level and think that will say, and we have to do something more freaky. And, you know, it's, it's like only love satisfies. Only love satisfies. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Come on, some of us need to hear that. Think, oh, we're just dabbling, it's all right. No, no, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. And it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And if you don't believe me, here's some scripture for us. Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full. Uh, never full. So the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Yeah, you look at, oh, it says, no, you, you want more, you'll go after more. Speaking of the evil man in Habakkuk 2 verse 5, indeed, and because he transgresses by, right, uh, by wine, he's a proud man. And he does not stay at home. Because he enlarges his desire as hell, he is like death and cannot be satisfied. Ezekiel 16, verse 28. You also played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were insatiable. Indeed, you played the harlot with them and you were still not satisfied. Uh, lust is an empty promise. And many of us have been ensnared with it before. But we need to see it. It's deception. And the thing with deception is it's deceiving. Yeah, you think you're right, but you're not right. You're actually wrong. By nature, and last word is, is death. Death. <laughs> nice words. Eh? Death. Uh, James 1 verse 14, it says, listen to this, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away. Listen to this. He's drawn away by what? You're drawn away by your own desires and enticed. Then when the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. 
Nobody just falls into sin. Oh, falls into it. Yeah, a desire starts with a desire. That desire is conceived. It's conceived in your heart. You start meditating on it. Next minute, you're building a plan around it. You build a plan. It's only a matter of time before you outwork it. And then when you outwork it, it leads to death. So James has given us a pattern of how this works. It starts with just a desire. That desire is conceived. And once it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin brings death. Uh, remember Proverbs chapter 7 he did not know it would cost him his life Romans 8 says therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh to live not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body you will live now, now death many people think is physical death but death and the meaning actually means separation. In fact, to die means to be physically separated from your body. This is just an earth suit. One day, you're going to zip out of this. And if you know Jesus, you get to live for eternity with him. Death means separation. People today, they're alive, but they can be spiritually dead because they're not connected to Jesus. Their spirits are dead because uh, not. Remember what God said to Adam and Eve, or I like to call them A and E, because <laughs> the accident and emergency went into heaven. Uh, he, he said, "Hey, if you eat of the tree, you shall surely die." He, he said, "How many know they ate of the tree and they didn't die? They didn't physically die immediately, but what happened? They spiritually died." How many people spiritually die because of lust? Like their, their spiritual passion for God just dies. Their spiritual hunger for God dies. Their spiritual desire for the things of God for the, just dies. As you come into an environment, everybody's worship, but there's, there's just nothing there because the spirit has got a hold. Lust is desire. And instead of having a desire for good things, our passions and our desire go another way. You know, when we talk about this, come on, you know, this spirit has caused marriages to die. You know, the love in a marriage, I don't love her anymore. Simply because, you know, there's a promise over here that, you know, grass is going to be greener over here. It's a lie. You know, passions die. Come on, how many families have been sacrificed on this altar because of the Spirit? Come on, come on how many kids have grown up in broken homes because of the Spirit? Come on, how many careers have died? Famous sport people, you know, died just, just because of the Spirit. Politicians. All because of the Spirit. How many times has the Spirit stopped you advancing in the things of God? Instead of your mind being filled with godly things so it can create and innovate and come up with new new ideas, your mind is occupied by this, the, these other thoughts that are controlling you. You've got to understand, Satan's a thief. And he's robbing people and they don't even know it. The Spirit is robbing you. And if you don't believe it, sadly you're deceived. 
See, lust will affect your finances. It will affect your health. It will affect your joy. That's what the Spirit does. It sucks and it takes life and it brings death. That's what it does. Death. So what's the answer? What's the solution? Number four. We're going to finish here. Is deliverance and discipleship. That's the answer. Deliverance and, not or, and discipleship. You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. Many people think it's one or the other. No, you just need deliverance. You just need deliverance. We'll just deliver you from that. And after you get deliverance, what do you do? You've cleaned house. What are you going to fill that space with? Because if you don't fill that space, the enemy's just going to come back in. So you do need deliverance. You need a clean house. That's what deliverance does. It cleans house. But then you need to occupy when you stuff. And that's what discipleship does. If you just try and discipline the flesh and ignore the demonic in the spiritual world, here's the deal. You can't disciple a demon. If you're held captive, that spirit needs to be cast out. Do you know, Jesus, one third of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons. And he told the disciples to do the same. But somehow we've got all intellectual and think that demons don't exist. They do exist and they operate through the Spirit and they try and control people through the Spirit. But here's the good news, we have power and authority over their spirits. Now Jesus said, preach the gospel, heal the sick and cast out demons. I like this passage found in 2 Corinthians because it brings deliverance and discipleship together. Listen to this verse. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. What are they? They are... Come on, somebody say that, Sean. They are... They are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds for the casting down of arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought, somebody say every thought. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Revelation even says we overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Blood, word, blood, word equals discipleship. You know, word discipleship, blood, is about deliverance. That's how we overcome the enemy. Now, now, if you're struggling right now, I don't want you to feel condemned. This is not to condemn. This is not to judge anyone. But I do want you to feel convicted. Because conviction will lead you to get some help. And, and let me tell you about strongholds. Again, strongholds, the word stronghold in the Bible is a neutral word. It can be, you can have a good stronghold and you can have a bad stronghold. Uh, it's neutral. How do we know this? Because the Bible says the Lord is our stronghold. You can make the Lord your stronghold. But, but here's where the problem is. When, when we get tired, when we have a bad day, or even a good day at work, what we do is we drop our guard and what happens is we immediately go to our stronghold. Now, now, what's this? A stronghold is simply a train of thought. It's a train of thought. And our minds are like Grand Central Station. These trains pulling in and pulling out every second. Now, every second. 
And, and your destiny depends on which trains you board. See, see, we just can go down the street, look, look, see an image, and next minute a lustful thought comes into our head. Are you going to board that train? Are you going to meditate on it? Because it's taking you to a destination. And if you head on that train, it's going to head to destruction. And guess what? Here's how it works. The more you get on the trains, the easier it is to get on them when you're under pressure. It's like if you catch the same train every day, it's like you don't even have to think. You just, you know, half asleep, walk on it, and next minute you're heading towards your destination. And the more you get on it, the easier it is to get on and, and, and the harder it is to get off. And that's why it's called a stronghold. But you can reprogram your mind. Yeah, God can set you free in a moment. The power can be broken in a moment. But now you've got to reprogram your mind to not get on that train. Because if you get set free from it and you keep boarding it, it's like you're, you're going to re-engage. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, finally, this might be the end of my message. Finally, brethren, whatever things are, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. Meditate on these things. So, so what Paul's saying is, when you say take every thought captive, it's say, okay, before I board this train, I'm going to take it captive and I'm going to consider where this train is leading. Is it pure? Is it noble? Is it praiseworthy? Because if it's not, I'm not boarding it. And I'm going to reprogram my heart. My flesh is like, ah, oh, oh, you, you know. But no, your spirit, walk in the spirit. I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm going to overcome. And I'm going to think of things that are pure, noble, just lovely. Take everything captive. Start memorizing the Word of God. You know, the Bible says our minds are washed by the Word of God. Some people, oh, I got prayed for before and it didn't work. Well, you didn't wash your mind. Yeah, there's three definitions of the Greek word stronghold, and they're surprising because the first one is it can mean fortress. The second one is it can mean a prison or a tomb. A prison or a tomb. Desire, desire. Desire can be a fortress. Deception's a prison. And death is a tomb. I'll say that again. Desire is a fortress. Deception is a prison and death is a tomb. Here, I want to say this as a pastor. First, first Peter. This is what Peter's saying, and I want to echo his words. Says, Beloved, I beg you. I beg you. As sojourners, as pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Abstain, I beg you. Your soul, your mind, your will and emotions, don't go down that path. It'll cause pain, cause depression. As your pastor, I beg you, get some help. See, I've seen anointed man be taken out by this. I've seen business people, I've seen sports players. Yeah, this is a heavy message. 
But I, I, can, I can't not share it. When it's destroying so many people's lives. Come on, I want to say there's hope for every luster in this place. It's something that every person deals with, struggles with. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're a boy, a girl, whether you're married or single. You know, we all deal with it at some level. But there's hope. Yes, there's hope. And you can't deal with this alone. It's not going to happen in your life or mine. That's why we have church. So we can open this up. There's no shame. Because we're all just as sick as our secrets. Oh, many people thinking right now, well, if they knew what I did, if they knew what I struggled with, if they knew what my secrets were all about, they would reject me, they'll diss me, they'll ostracize me. I say right there, that's a lie. See, what this spirit will do is will make you feel unloved, unworthy, and unfulfilled. Those three things, it'll make you feel unloved, unworthy, and unfulfilled. That's what the spirit does. We need to sometimes walk up to someone and just say, hey, this is the truth about my life. This is where I'm at. And here's the good news. You bring something into the light, the enemy has no power. While it remains in darkness, it has power over you. That's why it's not just confessing your sins to God. James says, hey, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. When you confess them to God, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. But when we confess them to one another, we are healed. Come on. I had to share this message because it's a destroyer of relationships. And if we've got relationship goals, you know, some of us don't need to ask, oh, what do I need to do to grow? If you've got Jesus at the center, growth is natural. The question you need to ask is, what is actually stopping me taking hold? What are the things that are hindering me? And I believe this spirit is a big one that we need to address and we need to open up and talk about. How many found that helpful? Okay, you can stop clenching right now. So I was like, uh, uh.